This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Game time with Boomer Esiason. This week's guest is the ultimate captain for the back-to-back Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, Alex Kalorn. Brought to you by 5-Hour Energy Shots. It's the one when you gotta get stuff done. My guest today has won two Stanley Cups in nine months. He's played in more than 600 games for the same team. He's an Instagram sensation, and he has a degree from Harvard. So it is my pleasure to welcome Tampa Bay Lightning left winger slash center, Alex Klorn. Alex, killer, I should call you. Welcome to game time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really wanted to get your perspective from this. Was it harder to win the Cup uh, two years ago when you guys had to go into the bubble and, you know, basically away from families, away from friends and fans and everything else? Or was it a little bit more difficult this year given, you know, all the different things that you had to go through and you couldn't travel and you had new divisions to go through and fight through? You know, they, they were both tough and it's, it's, it's tough to compare them. But if I had to say one being tougher than the other, it was probably the first one. Just in the sense that um, we were stuck in a hotel for the entire duration of the Stanley Cup Finals without, you know, you didn't get to see your family. You didn't um, get to leave the hotel. You had the same restaurants. You're in the same um, food every single night. But um, at least this year when you had those long spurts where you're, you know, in the playoffs and you're, you're going to different cities, you at least know that at some point you're going to be sleeping in your own bed. Um, you're you're going to be able to see your family. Whereas in the first year, it just seemed like, you know, it seemed like we were there forever. Obviously, it was well worth it. Um, but if I had to rank one, I would say the first one was, was a little tougher in that sense, just being being away from the family and, and stuff like that. You guys have had two boat parades. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers had their boat parade. Uh, which one was more enjoyable, or, or are they just both about the same and about the intensity the same, and the fans uh, obviously reacted very well to them? They, they were both great. I mean, I've talked to guys, you know, I think about someone like Vincent LeCalvier who, who won the Stanley Cup and he was trying to figure out why they didn't do a boat parade. And for us, the boat parade happened because of COVID. They thought it would be, obviously, it would be better to be out on the boat kind of away, socially distanced from, from most of the fans. Um, and I think they realized how much of a success it was and how much fun it was. You know, a lot of people, maybe in the second time, a lot of people came with their own boats. So there might have been more boats the second time, but... Um, together, they were, bo- were, they were both great. Tom Brady throws the Lombardi trophy. I, I doubt that the Stanley Cup was going to be thrown around. You cannot do that. I mean, even the, the one thing is, like, I had my cup party. Um, people don't realize that. Now, I'm the only one that's technically allowed to carry it because if you, if you didn't win it, you're not allowed to carry it. And I was doing a ton of events, and um, it's pretty heavy to carry around all day, so I couldn't imagine actually throwing the thing um, and having someone catch it. So, no, 
and it would sink probably if it fell in the water. One of the great things that you guys do as hockey players is after every uh, playoff series, you get in a handshake lineup and you, you basically are there. And you're, it's, a, it's a really great thing for all of us fans to see. You know, back in 2015, you were in the loser's line uh, against the, the Blackhawks. The last couple of years, you've been in the winner's line. What are the comments that are made in those lines? It's really tough because even looking back, um, for me, 2015 still hurts more than the two wins, how good they felt. Because, um, you know, you just never forget that moment when you're so close, you work so hard, um, and you feel kind of like, not that it's been taken away from you, but um, maybe a better team beat you or whatever. So it's tough in those moments um, to, to know what to say to someone who's, who's battled so hard. You know, I think about a guy like Shea Weber, um, even though I wasn't on the ice for the last game, I mean, I jumped on and shook his hand. And a guy like that that's given so much um, to the NHL, so much, so much of his career, I did feel bad in a sense. Obviously, I felt great for winning, but I remember when I was in 2015, all the emotions that I felt, and I kind of felt it for them. All right, we're just getting warmed up with Alex Kalorn, otherwise known as Killer to his teammates. Stay with us as game time continues right after this. Game Time with Boomer Esiason is brought to you by 5-Hour Energy Shots. Fixes tired fast. Welcome back to Game Time. In the second period of Game 1 of last season's Montreal-Tampa Bay Stanley Cup Finals, Alex Kalorn slid down to block a slap shot from the point from Canadians defenseman Jeff Petrie. Now, the puck struck Kalorn's left leg and the impact of the 6-ounce vulcanized rubber disc traveling at roughly 100 miles an hour broke his fibula in two places. And, Alex, you had a major decision to make, and I know you wanted to play. Uh, you decided to have surgery on your leg to see if you could get back in the series. Was that the right decision to make, do you think? I think so. I mean, I think that's just the way um, hockey players we are. I mean, the doctor told me if I don't get surgery, I have um, a 0% chance of playing. If I do, there's a smaller chance that I can play. So, um as a hockey player, you want to do everything you can for your team. And I know for me personally, if this ge- if this series had gone to game seven and, you know, I was just sitting at home with a broken fibula when I know there was a chance I could have played, I don't know if I would have ever been able to live, live with myself knowing that. Yeah, I don't know if fans out there realize just how good a player you really are. I mean, you're a 200-foot player. There's no question about that. And part of your game is that you are a shot blocker. Uh, I don't necessarily know that I could stand in front of a 100-mile-an-hour slap shot. I play in a men's league, and I have a hard time standing in front of a 30-mile-an-hour slap shot, let alone 100 miles an hour. Uh, do you think this changes your game now that you know that you had this injury? No. I mean, if anything, it's going to be my fibula can't break in that one spot anymore. So if I block it there, I'll be fine. But um, I think that's part of the game. It's blocking shots, especially in the playoffs, when you know that you know blocking a shot and having it hurt – or being injured is bad. But when you miss a block shot and they score, it feels so much worse. So a lot of us players would rather be a little injured, a little bruised, rather than, you know, not block the shot and it be a goal against. You know, one of the frustrating things for me as a hockey fan, Alex, and I don't know if you think about this as a player, I know you're a union rep down there for uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, is how the injuries are described in hockey. Upper body, lower body, they really aren't specific. Do you feel that frustration as a player that, you know, you're not able to really disclose your injuries? 
Well, as players, we, we like it. We, we don't want the other team knowing what's wrong with us. And in a lot of situations, um, you know, maybe with Cooch, no one really knew what was wrong. If you start to tell a guy he's got a broken rib, I think your son-in-law is going to go around and <laughs> make it a little bit worse for him. But in, on the other side, too, like they're going to hit Nikita Kucherov, Nikita Kucherov regardless of what he has. Um, so as players, we enjoy it, but I'm sure as fans, I know um, it, it's not great for you guys. You want to know exactly what's going on. And I know with football, it's a little bit different, I'm sure, with their union and stuff like that. So, Yeah, it was definitely frustrating. You know, and speaking of uh, injuries and, and somebody that's close to you, you know, last October, Travis Roy died, and, you know, he suffered a paralyzing injury 11 seconds into his first hockey game at Boston University back in 1995. How did you come to know him? So he came to, I went to Deerfield Academy, um, a boarding school right before I went to Harvard. And he had come and he did a speech in front of the, the, whole, uh, the whole school. Obviously, being a hockey player, I knew a little bit about him. But, um, you know, watching his speech, to this day, it's one of the most memorable speeches I've ever listened to in my life. Maybe just because um, the magnitude of, it, of his situation and his injury, knowing that that's something that could possibly happen to a guy like me, I was getting ready to go to college. Um, so it definitely hit a nerve for me. And I got to meet him quickly after. I mean, he had no idea who I was. But um, just to, you know, shake his hand and, and tell him how much that speech meant to this day is pretty cool. Yeah, it is pretty cool. We'll return more with Alex Korn right after these messages. Brought to you by the Ford Bronco Sport. Built Ford Tough. It's time for a change. Instead of working from home, work from your luxury suite at Midtown Manhattan's crown jewel, the Kimberly Hotel. Now offering special monthly rates with the most impeccable safety and hygiene protocols to keep you safe. Game Time with Boomer Esiason is brought to you by 5-Hour Energy Shots. It's the one when you gotta get stuff done. From an early age, Alex Kalorn displayed a love of hockey, but his parents always prioritized education. His mother, Cindy, in fact, was a school teacher, and her rule was this. There was no practice, there was no hockey, if the homework wasn't done. It seemed like your mom didn't think you were going to make it to the NHL, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it seems like for sure, but um, it's funny because even when I talk to people now, my mom will tell them that she's more proud that I graduated Harvard than that I won two Stanley Cups for sure. I mean, for her, hockey was always obviously important because it got me out of the house, it got me active, but her being a teacher, she thought um, an education was really going to be the way for me to find success. And um, so she really pushed it really hard, but you know, I'm grateful for how hard she pushed it. And to this day, I'm really proud that she kind of leaned me and pushed me to go to, to, go to Harvard for sure. You know, is it true that most Canadian kids go right into juniors as opposed to, say, coming to the States to Deerfield Academy or, or going into college? Isn't that true? Yeah, most kids, not many kids um, go to college. There are certain kids, maybe in Toronto, that will go play at Michigan because it's close by. Um, but for the most part, a lot of kids in my area will go play junior hockey um, just because it's, you know, it seems like the right step. And it's the faster way to get to the NHL, I guess. But for me, I, I think even when I was younger, I, I didn't develop till later. Um, I don't think I, I really thought about being a professional or playing in the NHL until my junior year of college where I truly believed I could play. 
Um, so for me, it took a little bit longer, but I think that was also necessary for a guy like me. I mean, I was tiny going into college. I went through a little bit of a growth spurt. And uh, if, it, if it weren't for those four years, I don't think I would be playing still in the NHL because I think those were so important for me to get in before, I, you know, to make me ready for the NHL, I guess I could say. Yeah, I know your mom, Cindy, wanted to emphasize education. There's no question about that. But, you know, she basically claims that she and your dad – you know, we're just normal parents doing normal things, taking their kids to the rink and, and doing all the things that normal hockey parents would do. On the 2007 NHL entry draft, you were drafted by the Tampa Bay Lightning. Did they ever pressure you, you know, to, to start your professional hockey career early and, and maybe even leave Harvard early? No, I mean, I'll give a lot of credit to Steve Eiserman um, while I was going through the entire process because you, you hear a lot of stories about, GMs definitely pressuring players. Um, you know, a lot of these GMs have, have drafted these players, especially if they're drafted high. You kind of want to see a return. You want to see if this player is going to be good enough to play professional hockey. I think in, uh, in, for me, um, I wasn't such a high draft pick that there wasn't a, as much pressure on me. But um, Steve Eiserman, I remember he offered me a contract, I think after my sophomore year and junior year, but there was no pressure. It was more hey, if you feel like you want to come play professional hockey, you can come. But we also will support the decision for you to stay at, uh, at Harvard, knowing how important it was uh, for me to graduate. So um, a lot of respect for him and the way he handled that. All right, we'll be back with Alex Korn for more in a moment. Game Time with Boomer Esiason is brought to you by 5-Hour Energy Shots. Fixes tired fast. Welcome back, everyone. Tampa Bay Lightning head coach John Cooper says that Alex Korn contributes in a way that doesn't always get his picture in the paper. He plays multiple special teams. He kills penalties. He's on the top power play unit. He can check. He chips in on the goal scoring, said Cooper. He's also a veteran player you can depend on game in and game out. And when you hear your coach say something like that about you, it's got to make you feel good. I mean, it it means a ton. Um, We obviously have a ton of players who are superstars in the NHL, and they they get a ton of accolades when you look at uh, the pedigree of the players on our team. But for a coach to come out and say something like that, someone, you know, I've been playing with him. He's really only been my my only coach in pro hockey. It's been nine years. He's been my coach the whole time, and very rarely does that happen. But when he says something like that, it definitely means a lot to a player like me. All right, so what's more stressful, having to kill a penalty at the end of the game to preserve a victory or to be on the power play to try to tie the game late in the game where you need a goal? That's a tough question. There's probably more pressure on the PK just because percentage-wise you're supposed to kill the penalties and on the power play you're not supposed to score technically. Um, So I'd say there's a little bit more pressure to, to kill a power play at the end of the game just because it's, it's, you know, it's expected, I guess, of you. Uh, do you remember your first point in the NHL? It came on February 10th, 2013, and who it was against? First, oh, yeah, I do, against the Rangers. Now that you yeah, thanks. That. Yeah. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, so. Vinny right? Yeah. 
Yeah, like I said before this uh, interview even started, you have been a thorn in my side ever since you started down there in Tampa Bay. Uh, tell me about one of your first wow moments, moments in the NHL, and this goes back to your rookie year. It's four on four. You're against the Penguins. Evgeny Malkin comes over the boards. Sidney Crosby comes over the boards. And you're out there on the ice with these two legends and obviously bona fide first ballot Hall of Famers. Yeah, I think that was definitely my first. I mean, there's plenty of wow moments, but a wow moment where you're on the ice and things can go pretty bad for you pretty soon. I know for me, I had looked up to those guys. You know, they're great players and watching them. And uh, when you first get in the NHL, when you're on a five-on-five situation, it's, it, it's a little bit easier to hide on the ice. But when you get put in a situation where you're playing against, you know, arguably two of the best players in the NHL, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit nervous. And I remember, the, you know, I think they had the last change. So me and I forget who it was jumped on the ice. And then their coach kind of saw, okay, a couple of rookies, let's put Sidney Crosby and Malkin. Um, but, yeah, that was a for sure a wild moment when they, when they lined up against me. You know, you guys are going to play the Nashville Predators in an outdoor game in Nashville this coming season. You're looking forward to that? Yeah, I mean, when I talk to guys on our team, we every year we're trying to get in an outdoor game. You know, we, we may not have uh, the amount of fans as certain teams, but we, you know, I think we've been pretty successful over the past couple of years, and we wanted to get an outdoor game. Outdoor games are special, um, and to get it in Nashville, it's going to be a fun time for sure. I think it will be. All right, we'll be back to skate. One last shift with Alex Klorn right after this. It's time for a change. Instead of working from home, work from your luxury suite at Midtown Manhattan's crown jewel, the Kimberly Hotel. Now offering special monthly rates with the most impeccable safety and hygiene protocols to keep you safe. Game Time with Boomer Esiason is brought to you by 5-Hour Energy Shots. It's the one when you gotta get stuff done. I'm speechless, said Alex Korn's mother, Cindy, after her son won a second straight Stanley Cup. When he started playing hockey, she said, I thought he may play in the AHL. I never, ever expected this to go on and on, so it's kind of an out-of-body experience. I just hope he can find all sorts of ways to get back. Did she actually say this to, to Stevie Eiserman, one injury away from driving a Zamboni? Is, did she actually say that to him? I don't know. That, that's a quote that, that gets thrown around. I know she did the little thing in the newspaper. She may have. I, I don't know. But that's kind of always been her mentality is that um, that's why she pushed me so hard to go to Harvard, just because she realized that, you know, if, if I did go through with it, it would open up so many doors for me and opportunities. She also said she wanted you to have ways to give back. And one of the ways that you do give back is on Instagram, Doc Talk with Killer. And tell me about that and how that came about. So the way that came about, it, it's funny. I mean, we have a guy, Brian Breesman, who um, is kind of our media guy and wanted me to do a video. It was during COVID and he wanted me to do a video to the fans, kind of letting them know that, uh, you know, we're, we're not happy about not being not playing, but we appreciate the support. Kind of a message I had seen a lot of players do, and I didn't want to do the same exact message. And I told him I would do something more creative. I mean, it was during quarantine. I was sitting at home doing, you know, absolutely nothing. Um, and it was kind of this joke because, you know, in Tampa, a few of us live on Davis Island, and we can get to each other's houses by boat or, for me, by jet ski. So 
it was this funny thing where I was going to go to Stamkos' house. I was going to go to McDonough's house and just drop off some essentials because obviously during quarantine, it was really tough to get, you know, toilet paper and, you know, Purell. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to go do that, might as well kind of um, film it and uh, ask these guys some questions when they come out to the dock. Kind of grew. We got some guys like Keenan Thompson, um, you know, Cameron Bray, who I went to Harvard with. And uh, we ended up selling T-shirts that said Doc Talk, it was, you know, tie-dye. And those did pretty well. So that all went to the Hillsborough Education Foundation. And um, I'm going to be trying to do some more things with Doc Talk. Obviously, we got Gronk. I'm sure ready to go and some guys down in Tampa. Um, so we just got to find some time here to, to kind of fit that in. So two things. Number one, I guess you're hoping to get Tom Brady on the back of that jet ski. We are. We are. We are. We are hoping, but um, we don't know how, how possible that's going to be, especially with, uh, with the NFL and, and COVID. I'm sure no one wants to be exposed and he's kind of I'm sure keeping to himself, but that would be a great, uh, a great guest. I'm sure. Yeah, he didn't seem to be uh, keeping to himself during their uh, boat parade. Uh, the other thing, too, is what was it like when Rob Gronkowski came to practice and put on the goalie pads? It was awesome. I mean, luckily I had gotten to know him a little bit um, before then. We, uh, we did a little small event where he came with his family and hung out with the Cup with me and Vasilevsky. So there was a little bit of a familiarity. And then he got on the ice with his brothers. And anyone that knows him knows you know, how big of a goofball he is. But... He's a he's super genuine guy, and for his type of celebrity, he, he really is down to earth. But he, um, I, I was telling Stamkos I was getting a little worried when he put on the goalie gear because he didn't put on anything under, no knee pads or anything. And the last thing we wanted to do was take a slap shot and hit him on the side of the knee and, and create some type of injury. So we were kind of just throwing him in his gloves and stuff, but um, it was fun. You know, Alex, you're a credit to your sport, you're a credit to your family, and you're certainly a credit to – uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning. So I wish you nothing but the best. Our thanks to Alex Kalorn for joining us today and to all of you for watching. I'm Boomer Esiason, and I'll see you again real soon right here on Game Time. You know, you wore a Tampa Bay Rays jersey for the Burroughs up for the first boat parade and then, of course, a Buccaneers jersey for the second. If there is a three-peat, do you have another jersey in mind? <laughs> <laughs> I might have to get, you know, I'm trying to think who else. I could probably get uh, the soccer team that plays in St. Pete, maybe them. Um, but yeah, I just got, you know, I wanted two different jerseys so I could uh, distinguish the, the two separate times, I guess.